I mean, his movies star boobs with faces attached to them. Radio Drome. Welcome to Radio Drome. It is Thursday night. I am being very matter-of-fact as Josh Hadley. I have no clue why I'm doing that. Cecil, break me out of this. Ah, uh, knock it off, you. Alex, do you back him up? I don't know why I just went Shatner, so whatever. Just do the promo. Oh, okay, someone's in a pissy mood tonight. All right, go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME to get 10 free gifts. You will get free U.S. shipping. Six free DVDs, a free mystery gift, a gift for him, a gift for her, and a gift for both of you, all for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So now, tonight what we're going to talk about are movies that never happened, or in a few of these cases, never didn't happen in the way that they were meant to. The reason I wanted to talk about this is it just came out this week. Ari Floman, director of the recent film The Congress, has acquired the rights, Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune, not the documentary, but the rights to the original script that Jodorowsky was trying to make. And we'll talk about the documentary and what Jodorowsky wanted in a moment. Obviously, because he can't have the cast Jodorowsky wanted, they're mostly dead. The crew Jodorowsky wanted, they're mostly dead. He is going to make Jodorowsky's Dune as a full animated feature going off Jodorowsky's pre-production drawings and notes with Jodorowsky producing the project. Jodorowsky's Dune might not be a lost project in a couple of years. Do they have the rights from Frank Herbert's estate to adapt his book? Let's put it, Jodorowsky, you, you saw the documentary. There was nothing of Herbert's book in what Jodorowsky was trying to do. You and I both know that. He even says on camera he was trying to make this movie to rape Frank Herbert's book. I think if you make a few minor changes, you'd no longer need the rights. I'll check it out. I wanted Jodorowsky's Dune. Has he described it back, you know, 30 years ago? That's the movie I wanted. I don't want this. Well, we couldn't make that. Here's a cartoon. This is just the first I'm hearing about it. So uh, I think it's pretty cool that they're actually going to go ahead and do it. Um, with Alex, I would rather them go full bore and make it live action. Uh, doing it animated, it's cool that it's getting done, but I still would rather it be live action. But the thing is, more than likely, the production costs would be astronomical. It's going to be cheaper to do it animated, and they'll be able to do everything that they wanted to in the, you know, in Jurodowski's version. Uh, it's cool. I think it's neat. I don't think this has ever been done before, so it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Well, you mentioned the budget. Jodorowsky was looking for the relatively small sum of $17 million back in 1973, which is only $3 million more than what Star Wars would cost four years later. For for the kind of ambitious project Jodorowsky envisioned, that actually was kind of a low budget, but no studio pre-Star Wars was willing to take that chance. I would think if you do it animated, you wouldn't even need 17 million unadjusted dollars. 
to make it animated, especially because now you don't have the cost of David Carradine, Orson Welles, Salvador Dali, H.R. Giger, or anyone like that. You don't have to build models or whatnot. It would cost the same in an animated feature to do a dialogue scene as it would to do a space battle scene. So I actually think they could pull it in cheaper than if it had been done in live action. But I'll give you this, Cecil. I also would have preferred the live action, especially with the cast he wanted. Good God, man. Mick Jagger as Fade, Salvador Dali as the Emperor, Orson Welles as Baron Harkonnen. You had... I can't get that today. That ain't going to happen. Mick Jagger has stayed. Have you seen Mick Jagger lately? This is 1973 Mick Jagger, Alex. But he looks like he's melting. Yeah, I know. He, he, he looks like he opened the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> Depending on how they animate it. If they go all CGI, that's going to maybe cost them more. If they go like the Pixar version of Jodorowsky's Doom, get an all-star cast. If they do just like really crappy cell animation, they could get away with like $10 million at most. Because Jodorowsky's Dune is one of the f- most famous never-made projects out there. But there are quite a few others. Hell, we've got a documentary coming out early next year about the never-made Tim Burton, Kevin Smith, Death of Superman film that was to star Nicolas Cage. That one's actually relatively famous. What about some of the weirder ones? Do you guys have any that you're aware of that, that you read about? Now, my only criteria here is these have to be real. These can't be just like a fan going, hey, wouldn't it be cool if that these have to be ones, these have to be projects that actually were in discussion by studios or actually had pre-production started on them before something happened. Matilda, which not the uh, not the like little girl wizard thing, but Matilda being the sequel to uh, Leon the Professional, where Natalie Portman grows up and becomes an assassin. I know that was kind of talked about for a while. I know Natalie Portman repeatedly brings it up that she would like to do it, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen. That would be really, really cool. On the stupid side of things, the sequel to Dude, Where's My Car? Okay, I (laughs) thought you were going to say Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. No. Well, you said stupid, so. It is stupid. You know, uh, the thing with Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian, that could potentially work if it's Tim Burton from like the 80s and early 90s, but Tim Burton now, uh, if he ends up directing it, I, I don't see it really having that that same magic. But uh, but I do think that would be fantastic if it if it I don't know, maybe if it came out 15 years ago or God, 20 years ago now at this point, Unbreakable 2, which still might happen at some point. I know that was supposed to be a trilogy uh, and I know a lot of people. That even people that don't like M. Night, that uh, would be really excited for that. So Batman what? Triumphant. It, was that it, a it was, Nolan? No, it was supposed to be Schumacher. It was what he was going to do after Batman and Robin. They were already rolling and getting ready. They had a cast. They had Madonna as Harley Quinn. Uh, they had Martin Short as Man Bat. Was this a George Clooney still Batman? Yeah, this was George Clooney. They had Jack Nicholson reprising the Joker as flashback because Harley Quinn was going to be the Joker's daughter. Well, that makes it a little creepier, but okay. Martin Short as Man Bat. Weirdly enough, that's not as weird of casting as you'd think. It was going to have Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl again, but because Batman and Robin tanked so hard, they scrapped production when they were only partway through. They're like, yeah, nobody's going to want this after how bad this one did. You screwed the pooch on that one, Schumacher. F*** you. Well, earlier we we brought up Tim Burton. 
well, he made that horrible Planet of the Apes remake. How about we go back to 1990 when Oliver Stone was trying to make a Planet of the Apes remake starring George Clooney? That could have been interesting. They they had a script. They had the okay f- from Fox, and they were moving forward. They were starting to deal with getting some of the other cast members and whatnot. Apparently the script was incredibly political, and it was an allegory to what was going on in the early 90s. I don't know. I don't know if an Oliver Stone poda really could have worked. George Clooney, it's not a bad choice for Taylor, but I just don't know if that would have worked. I like Oliver Stone as a director, but like... That was pre-insanity, too. Yeah, I I don't... Uh, I don't see him really doing that particularly well. I don't. Uh, when I think Oliver Stone, I don't think science fiction. You do know he wrote Conan, right? Yeah, but that's fantasy. I would have watched it. Uh, Oliver Stone's competent. George Clooney's a good actor. He'd be good as Taylor. I think it could have worked. Well, and speaking of Planet of the Apes, then when that died, think, thankfully this next one died. Schwarzenegger tried to make remake Planet of the Apes with himself as he wasn't playing Taylor, he was the human. I really do not see an early 90s Schwarzenegger Planet of the Apes movie being good at all. Dude, Schwarzenegger would have rocked as Dr. Zayas. He still would. He was the human! No, no, he's going to be Dr. Zayas in my version. Well, in a dual role, he'll be the human Ooh. and Dr. Zayas. Now that would be interesting. Oh, I would be so down with that. Well, speaking of that kind of thing, how about the James Cameron canon-produced Spider-Man? Now, Spider-Man actually didn't start with James Cameron. It started under Toby Hooper, and then after he fell out of favor with canon, then it moved to, name just fell out of my head, directed Friday the 13th Part 5, and then after him... The porn guy? Yeah, and then it moved to James Cameron, who... Now, this was called a treatment. He called it a treatment. And when you make a treatment... A scriptment. In Hollywood, when you write a treatment, it's usually to tell the studio, this is what I want to do, and then you go and order the script. He wrote essentially a treatment that was about 28 pages long. So he essentially wrote an abridged version of the script to give canon. Now, to be fair, Ted Newsom had already written the script for the Toby Hooper version. And apparently Cameron rewrote that script. I'm not saying plagiarized because it was the same project and everything was legal. He took a lot of Ted Newsom's script and just rewrote it, tailoring it to himself. And he was going to direct it. This was 1989. Didn't do that to go and make The Abyss. Probably a good idea, even if Cannon had not had financial problems. That was probably the right career choice, huh? Oh, and speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was supposed to be Dr. Octopus. I'm not kidding. And his scriptment was 60 pages. 60? Okay, I underestimated it. I, yeah, I read the damn thing. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Doc Ock. I'd have bought Arnold Schwarzenegger as Doc Ock. I would have, honestly. Hell yeah! I would I would be cool with that. Because, uh, I mean, Schwarzenegger back then uh, was just... He worked in so, whatever role they, they shoved him This in. is right after Total Recall. He was on top. Yeah, he was yeah. on fire back then. Uh, that also reminded me, though, uh, of... The Masters of the Universe 2 that we never got. That well, became we got Cyborg. Cyborg, yeah. But, well, there's uh, plenty of stuff from canon we never got. Yeah, that canon had a whole slate of stuff that never of, never actually happened. Uh, so sad. I still want uh, Breaking 3. Speaking of superhero movies, though, how about back in 1986, right after the comic had finished, Terry Gilliam was set to direct Watchmen for 20th Century Fox. 
It was to star Robin Williams as Rorschach. What? And Robert De Niro as the comedian. Now, Sam Hamm's script for this was so bizarre. It, it would have been kind of like Jodorowsky's Dune. Jodorowsky's Dune, uh, the way I envision it, would have been a fantastic movie, but a terrible Dune adaptation. Sam Hamm and Terry Gilliam's Watchmen would have been a terrible Watchmen movie, but a great movie. They had the entire movie as like a super team. For one thing, the comedian is is in the whole movie in the present, and he's a member of the Watchmen who are a superhero team a la the Avengers. It had one of the most amazing endings I've ever read that would have pissed every single person off. At the end, Dr. Manhattan zaps the comedian Rorschach and Silk Spectre into an alternate universe to save them from a nuclear explosion. And they land in our world in costume, walking down the street with everyone looking at them weird, and they pick up a Watchmen number one comic off of the shelves, and they realize that they've been blown into an alternate dimension where they are comic book characters. I don't care. That's a fantastic ending. If you think that's a fantastic ending, it obviously means you don't care. That's a terrible ending. That is like a horrible shit cop out. It was all fake. It was all fake, everybody. This didn't happen. You can go home now. Yeah, that's um kind of a kind of a Deus Ex Machina, and I, I, the only thing that I would think that that would work is if they had a legitimate ending, and then that was like the post credits ending or like a deleted scene for the DVD or something like a funny little hey look at this you know. But if that was the actual ending, uh, I yeah, that's like how Battlestar Galactica ended almost. No, it did not. Yeah, it did. Oh, look, they're now on Earth. Twist ending, this wasn't our future. No, the Battlestar Galactic ending was worse for so many other reasons. The gods and angels, and we're not getting into that. Terry Gilliam directing Watchmen with Robert De Niro as the comedian and Robin Williams as Rorschach. Think about it for a second. That's actually not as strange a casting as you would think. No, that's actually pretty decent. That for for you got to you know put this in 1986 perspective. That is not bad casting for those two main characters, is it? Yeah, I, I think that would be cool. What wasn't there a um an early Lord of the Rings where Mel Gibson was gonna be Frodo? Oh no, there was an early Lord of the Rings by the Beatles. Back oh in... well, yeah. Well, I'm talking way back. Yeah, but yeah. this was like I think like 90s was when they first started talking about it. Where, where, yeah, it was it was Mel Gibson, and they were going to do like the basically the dwarf treatment to him. Well, Mel Gibson wanted to star in a Three Stooges movie for a long time, too, as Moe. Oh, my God. Thankfully, that didn't happen. You brought up Lord of the Rings, the Beatles thing. Back in 1967, John Lennon personally bought the rights to Lord of the Rings. He was going to play Gollum. Paul McCartney would be Frodo, Ringo Starr would be Sam, and George Harrison would be Gandalf. And they approached a pre-2001 Stanley Kubrick to direct this film. No studio would give them the $10 million that they wanted for it, which is probably a good idea. Because when you think about a movie like Lord of the Rings... $10 $10 million is a pretty small budget for what they wanted to pull off. Also, they were going to do it with musicals, you know, keeping music intact because, you know, they're the Beatles, and it would have been 90 minutes long to tell the entire Fellowship of the Ring with 1967-1968 makeup and special effects technology for $10 million. This film would have been a disaster 
all the but way around. Tell that story in 90 minutes. There's a lot of crap going on that could just be cut out to make a 90-minute story. It's an epic book series, but as a movie, you could easily do it in 90 minutes. Eh, elves and hobbits were kind of humanish looking anyway. It's not a lot of makeup needed. Yeah, I think that uh, it would have been funny to see, but now, it, yeah, now, well, that's the thing, and and uh, it, it, I don't particularly see it being any good. Maybe if they put in the uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy ballad of Bilbo Baggins in there as one of the musical numbers, that would have been pretty awesome. But uh, aside from that, uh, I think that it it would most likely be one of those just notorious disasters if it actually happened. Well, how about what could have backfired really easily? The David Lynch directed Return of the Jedi. That could have been really good. And that when David could have been really good. When David Lynch turned it down, they offered it to this relatively unknown Canadian man named David Cronenberg. Now that would, as much as I think a David Lynch Jedi movie would have been good, I would have loved a David Cronenberg Return of the Jedi movie. Lynch. Well, no, at least Cronenberg can tell a linear story, you know, with a beginning, middle, and an end. Lynch would have been weird. I would have loved it. It would have been beautiful weird. I'd go Cronenberg. I think uh, it would it would be just really cool to see how uh, how he would do it. That I I kind of wish I, I like in in uh, in today's age, like it's it's just impossible. But it would be so cool to have. The ability to have different directors do the same material, and uh, you you would get uh, you know two different versions of. Are the you same sure movie. you really want to go down this road, considering they're doing that exact thing with Cabin Fucking Fever? Well, wait, they already made Cabin Fever. Yes, and now they're remaking it using the exact same script with a different director and cast. I'm not kidding. So the, it, it's a remake. It's a literal remake. Well, I'm yeah, talking it's Psycho. Uh huh. And that worked out so well in 98, didn't it? Well, Psychos was a good movie. Maybe, you know, it's the hard remake to wasn't. Yeah, well, you can't really improve upon Psycho. There's a lot of improvement to be had with Cabin Fever. I still like Cabin Fever, but... I, I like Gus Van Zandt, but the balls to think you could outdo Hitchcock? Dude, you've got a sack on you. Well, from, from what I gather about that, because I was reading up on that recently, it wasn't so much that he was trying to outdo him. He was trying to see if it was possible to recapture that magic. So that's Hasn't why Hasn't Brian he... De Palma been trying that for 30 years? Yeah, but I'm not talking about, you know, just straight up remaking things with different directors and whatnot. I'm talking about, like, if you have an iconic film like Star Wars... Being able to see it directed by somebody, or, or Return of the Jedi, rather, but being able to see it directed by somebody else, I don't know, there's something very interesting about that. It's its not economically feasible, and that kind of thing isn't going to happen realistically. It's still, it's a cool like thing to think about. I don't know. When a director doesn't get what they want, but they still make the movie. For instance, Cool World. If Hollywood, Holly could, but Hollywood wouldn't let Holly, so she couldn't. The original version of Cool World that Ralph Bakshi, actually Holly and Jack having sex, having a baby who was half doodle, half noid, and he would be half animated with like one animated arm, one animated leg, half of his face animated, animated parts of his chest, trying to be an outcast, having to try and figure out how to live as an outcast in both worlds. And 20th Century Fox went, not a fucking chance 
so good we got move, the cool Fox. world that we so we got the cool world that we got. Would you guys have been interested in the original Cool World? No, that just sounds like horrible. I would have been able to keep my eyes on that thing. A half person, half cartoon. That would have been disgusting to look at. That's pretty much what the studio executives said, too, honestly. Yeah, well, I they, I agree with them. I don't know about the half animated, half human thing, but uh, with with Cool World, it always felt like they were holding back. Like Because they like, were. The studio wouldn't let him... Bakshi's pretty much washed his hands of the movie. He's like, oh, yeah. I made you their tell. movie. This is, this is not my movie. You can tell because it's like every time it was – it would just start to get a little edgy. It was like – it was almost like there was somebody standing off the screen where it would start to go one direction and there was somebody going, no, 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 no. Too and far, too far, back, too far. And then, yeah, and then it would just dial it back. Like that should have been an R-rated movie. I don't know if it should have had the half-human, half-doodle, but it definitely should have been an R-rated movie that pushed it a little bit further uh, into – uh, more like Fritz the Cat territory instead of just a slightly more racy Animaniacs. How about the thankfully never made Jim Carrey $6 million man movie that was supposed to be a sequel to the $6 million man TV series and it was a complete farce because, well, $6 million bucks doesn't buy what it used to and so none of his gadgets worked right and he was malfunctioning. And it was basically, we're making Inspector Gadget, but we're calling it the $6 million man, because if you were a fan of the $6 million man, f*** you. They were making Inspector Gadget. Was this good that we never got this? Yeah, that's kind of good we didn't. There would have been a lot of angry fans. I, I, the internet would have been ablaze for days. Rage forever! What year was it planned? 98. 98. So that would have been before... This would have been after The Mask, before he tried to become a serious actor. Well, no, I was going to say before the um, the Ferris Bueller Inspector Gadget. Yeah, yeah. There hadn't there had not been an Inspector Gadget movie at this point. Okay, because there's a... Yeah, uh, it, it would have... It basically would have been a bad Inspector Gadget, and then we ended up getting two Inspector Gadgets that were both abysmal. So, yeah, bad idea. Although the Kevin Smith script that he wrote for a six million dollar man was actually really good it, it was that also was taking it seriously too well exactly that's because they were taking it seriously i mean they, they all they had to do was just you know change it to you know the six billion dollar man and and make it serious but then you been... don't get the joke of well six million bucks doesn't buy as much i know but the thing with that is it gets... i'm just the six dollar man well and then we brought up brought up brought up before jaws three people zero so i won't go into that how about the original Total Recall we almost got? Back when Ronald Shusset owned the rights to Philip K. Dick's book, this is before Paul Verhoeven was on board, they didn't have a director attached, but this was supposed to be a starring vehicle for Patrick Swayze, and it supposedly followed the short story far closer. I like the fact that it followed the story closer, because neither one of the movies do at all, but... I don't know about Patrick Swayze. He, he's not a bad actor. I don't see him being right in that role. You just want to put Baby in a corner, don't you? Yeah, because it's real smart to go tell, as Charlie pointed out, Jerry Orbach that you just molested his underage daughter and not get killed, right? Only Patrick Swayze's got balls like that. He'd have made a good job in Total Recall. Patrick Swayze is really not a bad actor. That's what I just said. He's, he's, not, he's not bad. I just think he's wrong for that part. No, he'd have been great for that part. 
you know, you, you never know until you actually see it, because how many people were flipping out about Michael Keaton as Batman? And he was great uh, as Batman. You know, how many people were, were shitting themselves over Heath Ledger as the Joker and he ends up outdoing Jack Nicholson? So who knows? Patch, uh, Patrick Swayze might have been awesome in uh, in that version of Total Recall. I've seen a lot of movies where uh, he's played, you know, all kinds of different characters, not just, you know, a bouncer or a uh, chop molester. Well, OK, then how about... And this has gone through diff- tons of different actors. Everyone makes fun of the John Wayne, Genghis Khan movie, as they should, The Conqueror. How about in 1993, when Steven Seagal wanted to cast himself as Genghis Khan in a $30 million Genghis Khan movie? I, I would have loved that. It would have That's been a glorious disaster. Oh, God, would it have been fantastic. God, for all the wrong reasons. So many nut shots to Chinaman. well and then apparently the studio warner brothers did want a genghis khan movie so after seagal kind of fell out of favor they wanted vin diesel for the role and i started thinking that's not nearly as bad of a choice vin diesel's would not be bad as genghis khan i think i would have watched oliver stone direct vin diesel as genghis khan if he did it like right after alexander yeah, I, I probably would have been good with that. I um, it it could have ruined his career, but uh, I'm just might... talking about the movie. He would have actually been a lot more right than Seagal was. Yeah, but Seagal would have been so much better of a movie. Like it just would have been such a glorious disaster. Genghis Khan has a ponytail and talks like he's from Brooklyn. <laughs> and as Alex said, the nut shots. To it would be all nut shots. <laughs> This next one never got into a pre-production phase, so maybe I'm breaking my own rule here. But they were in talks with, with this man for a while. Clive Barker was offered Alien 3. The Everybody re- was offered Alien 3. <laughs> that, that's very true. I, I, I can't fight with you on that, Alex. And William but, Gibson was offered Alien 3. Well, really, William Gibson wrote a script for it. Clive Barker was to write and direct a version. Here was the reason Clive Barker said he turned them down. They said, you can do anything you want for the movie, but it has to be set at a monastery, it has to have one alien, Sigourney has to die, and they, he said he, they laid out 23 separate things he has to do in the movie, but you can do whatever you want as long as it has these. He's like, yeah, no, I'm not, no, because then I'm just directing your movie. You're, I don't actually get to do what I want. But just think about it for a second. A Clive Barker-directed Alien 3. That could have been glorious. I was saying it could have. I mean, it would have had horror, provided they let him do what he wanted to do. If he had to fit to those 23 points, I mean, you might as well just get some guy like Fincher if you're going to do that. Which is, I think, part of Fincher's frustration. You can do whatever you want. Just do what we want. It definitely would have had atmosphere. Not that Alien 3 didn't. I I think that... That is the one thing Fincher did not screw up in that movie. Yeah, I think that uh, Alien Three, like I, the, that, and the work print version, like the, it's it's definitely flawed, but there is a lot in there to like. Like I do, I do like the the prison planet. I like Sigourney Weaver, like how she's just what? she's just really badass. Uh, Charles Dance was great. Um, you know what? Tra- okay, I don't care what Charles Dance is in. Golden Child ruined him for me. I always see my dear sweet brother Numsi. 
Oh, Brother Numsi! I, all I see is my dear sweet brother Numsi. I cannot see him. That's a problem with me, but I couldn't take him seriously because it was my dear sweet brother Numsi. I can disassociate him. There are some actors who I do have issue with, but he's one of them that I, I, I he's been in so many different things where uh, he, he's he's shown that he's got uh, I don't want to say um you know skills that prove he's a better actor than that, but there are certain actors who you do see just as okay this guy is this. Charles S. Dutton gives that awesome freaking uh, monologue towards the end. There is a lot to like in Lance Alien Henriksen Three. was only half a man in that. Lance Henriksen had a you know a nice little bit in that. Uh, I just liked how it was it was just it was down it was depressing it was. Uh, it was much more scaled back. It was a little more in line with Alien than it was with Aliens. It, it was just, it was neat. And I think that um, if the studio didn't really interfere, which is usually a lot of the downfalls, it, we would have gotten a better movie, but it still ended up being a, a good movie. But yeah, dude, having um, having Barker in there, wow, that, that definitely would have been a, a crazy movie. I would have liked to have seen that. Now, speaking of aliens, now this one technically does exist, and it was made, but we're never going to see it. 20th Century Fox has made that very clear. Did you guys know that there was supposed to be a, a Saturday morning aliens cartoon in 1992? I'm not surprised. No, but uh, God damn it, why wasn't there? Well, there was. Do you remember when the action figure line came out, and they, they had those weird kind of cartoonish looking versions of Hudson and Hicks that didn't look anything like the actors and like chicken aliens and bull aliens and scorpion aliens and all that. They're unstoppable! But we've got to give it our best shot! Under the Marines! We're the Space Marines! Drake, Ripley, Apone, Bishop, and I'm Hicks, armed with the latest high-tech heavy metal. Queen alien breathing down your back? I blast her with the bug rocker. Button heads with a bull alien? Ripley frags him with the turbo torch. Alien invasion problem? Send in the Marines! Space Marine figures and alien figures each sold separately. Aliens! Yo, Hicks! Something big is in the air! It's the alien flying queen! And her gruesome gorillas! Send in the ultimate space marine, Atax! Disguised in his big, bad bug suit! He sneaks in and takes him out! But the flying queen unmasks him! Send in Hicks and the heavily armored evac fighter! Send in the marines! Blast them! Yeah! And bottle them! And it's Bye Bye Bug! Each sold separately! Aliens! That was, was it Alien vs. Predator? No, this was just Aliens. Okay. This was called Operation Aliens. There's even some snippets in the old commercials of the of the cartoon in there. They have some animated snippets. This Are was you me, I could have a chicken alien action figure right now. <laughs> what happened was Fox greenlit this as a Fox Kids Saturday morning original, and they had the toy line to go along with it. Then apparently some Fox executive actually watched the first episode and realized this is hyper-violent. Yes, we've made Conan and Robocop and Toxic Avenger into cartoons. We really can't dumb this down enough to make it kid-friendly. So they pulled it, and it has never been seen since. The, the Korean animation company that did the animation, they used to have about 40 seconds of of footage on their website, which is long defunct, and even the Wayback Machine, the links don't work. So this is an almost completely lost, lost cartoon. So Operation Aliens technically happened, but we really did almost get Aliens as a Saturday morning cartoon. Would watch this. 
all the time. Even if it was nerfed? Dude, if it had Chicken Alien, I don't care. He could have been cracking jokes. I, I, I want my Chicken Alien. He's obsessed with the Chicken Alien, Cecil. It's Chalian. Who isn't? <laughs> it would have been cool as hell to see. Um, not that we'll ever see it. I, well, you never know, man. I mean, the the rights might lapse into somebody. They might find it. Uh, who knows? I never thought I was going to have an HD version of Manos, The Hands of Fate. I'm going to have an HD Blu-ray of Manos, The Hands of Fate. So You're weird. I certainly am. Well, uh, uh, no, I, 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 I'm looking forward to the Blu-ray Manos. I know you are. How about one of the weirdest movies that never got made that had quite a pedigree to it? Who Killed Bambi? Written by Roger Ebert, starring John Lydon of the Sex Pistols, and directed by Russ Meyer. They shot for a day and a half. Then 20th Century Fox, after giving them the money and, and allowing them to start shooting, read the script written by Roger Ebert. It was so hyper-violent and sexual, Fox pulled their funding after a day and a half of shooting. The actual footage that they shot wound up in the Sex Pistols movie, The Great Rock and Roll Swindle. What do you guys think of us not getting a Roger Ebert-written, Russ Meyer-directed, John Lydon-starring exploitation movie? Oh, I mean, I could just squint and pretend John Lydon isn't beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I mean, we already had our Roger Deeper written, Russ Meyer directed movie, couple of them actually. One just happened to have John Lydon, who, let's face it, really isn't that much of an actor. This was going to be live action. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was and, a live action movie. And it was not Who Killed Bambi the Deer. It was like Who Killed Bambi like a stripper. I also like the fact that Fox didn't bother to read the script until they started shooting. They were busy, you know? Oh, okay. Apparently, what little footage exists shows Sting assaulting the Sex Pistols on the side of the road as they're driving down a lonely country road in in England. And then it, it, it almost makes it seem like it was a rape-revenge film, but with dudes. Which, in all honesty, one of those written by Roger Ebert would have been really funny considering what he thought of I spit it in your grave, you know? Dude, I, I, and considering Russ Meyer's love of tits, I don't think he would have really gone through with men as his primary characters. I mean, his movies star boobs with faces attached to them. That is uh, a very I, fair assessment, yes. I think I think it's, uh, what were they called? Buxotic was the, the Russ Meyer. Yes. <laughs> the beautiful Buxotic babes. And, and, and considering how much he used Charles Napier, I'm sure Charles Napier would have had a role in this at some point. How about one of the most famous never-made movies that kind of got made as a kid's film, Night Skies, which kind of got turned into E.T. and Gremlins? I still would like to see the Night Skies version, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Because it was, it was more of an adult movie. It was, an, you know, it was a horror movie, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh yeah, Spielberg was intending this to be R. I I, uh, I miss e- even even PG you know slash PG thirteen Spielberg was just so much better than he is now back in you know back then. Uh, and it, I mean I know and it's not even one of those things were better in the past. Nah, go back and watch Jaws and then try His to watch. His quality level has not remained consistent. No, it's dropped. Now uh, he he has managed to get a few of the more recent ones that were good, but like not the level of consistency of quality of his older stuff and how bloody and violent it was. Don't think of Night Skies. I think of how great E.T. was. 
But what if E.T. was a psychopathic little killing bastard running around terrorizing a family? Oh, so pod people? Fuck that. Trumpy, Trumpy, you can you... do stupid things. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, I do. That's it the stinks. You're going for. We're tripping over ourselves to get that one out. <laughs> okay, how about scripts that became more that became so famous for never being made into films, such as in 1995, the Eric Singer script that was supposed to be directed by David Fincher, and apparently he was trying his damnedest to get this made. The sky is falling now. I've never read this script, but the plot synopsis that used to be on Fincher's website said it was about two priests who accidentally discover irrefutable proof that God does not exist and go on a rape and killing rampage across the United States while a hitman hired by the church is trying to stop them from letting the word get out. Think about this. Just after seven, David Fincher directing that movie. I want the sky is falling. That sounds like a very interesting concept. I would like to to see that. The review I read of the script in uh, like alternative cinema or something like that was that they said it was like a more focused satire. Uh, it, it was like Natural Born Killers if the satire was more focused. I don't know if that's good or bad. That's actually when you when you were saying that the first thing I thought of was Natural Born Killers. But Cecil, would you have liked to have seen a David Fincher directed The Sky Is Falling? Oh, hell yeah. I'm sure there would have been people protesting it like crazy, but um, I, I, who gives a crap? <laughs> like, this movie isn't for you. Don't go see it then. But uh, that sounds great. There's no God. It's bad. You're just saying there's no God. You're going to make kids start thinking there's no God. Eh, whatever. Okay. How about some weird castings where the movie or the TV show happened, but it was originally supposed to have a majorly different actor in it? For instance, Star Trek The Next Generation. We all know and love Jonathan Frakes, even baby Fra- even babyface Riker. Well, if Jonathan Frakes has said no, the next actor in line who they had you know, told was the backup was Jeffrey Combs, fresh off of Reanimator and From Beyond. What the hell would a Jeffrey Combs William Riker be like? Cecil, since your kid is named Riker, I'm going to go to you first. That's a tough one because uh, I I love Jeffrey Combs and uh, and I love uh, Jonathan Frakes. Uh, it would have brought a different, a completely different kind of chemistry to the character, uh, especially like that you know late eighties, early nineties Jeffrey Combs. Uh, you know he was a he was a dashing mother effer. You know he was well because yeah, the way I looked at it was. I I initially said no, he would be totally wrong. But then I'm thinking of bearded, um, kind of bloated Riker. And I go back and you look at the pilot and you go, you know what? That Jonathan Frakes and that Jeffrey Combs were not that different. No, uh, they really they really weren't. Uh, I guess it it all comes down to how they would have how they would have had him play it. I mean, Jeffrey Combs is is a terrific actor, so he could have uh, just about done anything. So I. I I don't know. Um, and and again, it also makes me think it's it's weird because then uh, it's like, all right, well, would I have loved the character so much that I would have ended up naming my son after him? So, uh, you know, I, it's it's odd. It's just a whole weird thing. I don't know. I think it could have worked, but it might have been a, a completely different character. Yeah, I would have loved to see it, see how that worked out. Not that to replace Riker, you know. Jonathan Frakes did a wonderful job as Riker, but I'd like to 
think sometimes, you know. Jeffrey Combs would have taken the role in a different way and a very good way too. Not a bad, you know, to say Jonathan Frakes was terrible, just different. Blade Runner. How about we we throw out Daryl Hannah and put Stacey Nelkin in that role? Yeah, I hate Daryl Hannah, so you could put fucking that chick from Birdemic in it, and that's a step up from Daryl Hannah. No, I've actually seen Stacey Nelkin's audition. It's on the Blade Runner box set. Just going off the auditions between Daryl Hannah and Stacey Nelkin, I thought Nelkin did a far better job. She was closer to the book version of Pris, plus she brought a vulnerability that I thought Daryl Hannah never brought. Like, initially... She's kind of a jerk, and you wonder why these people are falling for her. Nelkin had a warmth to her that I think would have made her switch to Pris the BattleBot all the more shocking. And she kind of gave herself like a punk rock look, which I think was a little less weird than the new wave look that Daryl Hannah went with as Pris. And just comparing their auditions, Daryl Hannah was terrible. But the only reason Stacey Nelkin did not get the job... She was too short. They said it wouldn't be believable to have Stacey Nelkin beating up Harrison Ford. And I'm like, no, the fact that she's too short makes it more believable because she's a goddamn robot. Robot. It's pronounced robot or in replicant. What do you get robot? Well, you get you get robot if you're uh, Dr. Smith. She would have been way better than Daryl Hannah. You know what? Tyler Perry would have been great. And it would have been called Medea and the Bots. It would have been great. Uh, I I think probably Stacey Nelkin because uh, uh, out of out of that movie, uh, Daryl Hannah, she's kind of become like ingrained because it's it's such a popular uh, movie and just her look is so striking in that she didn't really bring anything significant to it. I mean, it, it Nelkin's, was really Nelkin's audition was nuanced. Hannah's mm-hmm. was blunt. Yeah, I because that like you've got Rucker Hauer and Harrison Ford giving just outstanding performances. Sean Young is really good in that. Um, Edward James almost like so many great performances. And Daryl Hannah is kind of the weak link in it. Like she's not bad, but it would have been interesting because I think that uh, Nelkin was so good in Halloween three that uh, seeing her in that would have it could have potentially been more of a star maker for her. Remember what I said about how they didn't think it would be believable that tiny little Stacey Nelkin would beat up Harrison Ford. Producers didn't seem to get the whole point of robots, especially in the future, being smaller, making it that much more interesting when they do these things. Like why Lance Henriksen was not the Terminator. Lance Henriksen, Orion would not let James Cameron cast Henriksen as a Terminator because they said, he's too skinny, no one will believe he's doing all these things to people. And I'm going, that's the point! Because it's more fanciful that way that this lanky, skinny guy with the scars on his face is the killer robot from the future. It's actually less believable as Schwarzenegger, I think. It's like the weird anti-logic of studio executives, you know? Well, that's why they let him have Robert Patrick in Terminator 2, and that man's like skin and bones. Kind of. But, I mean, hell, it's better than the original casting the studio wanted. O.J. Simpson as the Terminator, but I'm not making this up. He was dropped because he was so beloved at the time. Nobody could believe him as a remorseless killer. (laughs) Cecil, (laughs) 2020 hindsight, huh? Yeah. 
Well, that, uh, they, they obviously had not seen Naked Gun 33 in the third because that man kills comedy with no guilt. Yeah, I remember that like when because uh, they were talking about that. I think shortly after Terminator 2 came out where they were talking about how O.J. Simpson was originally supposed to be the Terminator. And granted, yes, they were right. Nobody would have taken him seriously as a killer, uh, you know, until he actually killed someone in the in the role of the Terminator. He would have been terrible. Uh, also, but the Henriksen, I think Henriksen would have been great. Oh, God. Well, they, they kind of took a cue from that when they made uh, Robert Patrick uh, the T-1000, because when he first shows up, you're thinking, all right, Schwarzenegger is going to be uh, the Terminator. And, and uh, you know, here's this guy. He's going to be the Kyle Reese. And then they flipped it on its ear and made it, you know, he's the invincible killing machine. And Schwarzenegger is also the invincible killing machine, but he's the one that can't transform. That was kind of what was cool about it. It would have been neat to see uh, Lance Henriksen. I, I think that um, he's he's menacing enough too. like when he wants to be, he really t- and that voice too just turns oh it on. So Jesse from Near Dark. Think of that as a robot from the future. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Come on. And it's, it's funny because he's like the nicest guy. I've interviewed but... him. He's a fantastic guy. Oh, I had a I had a chat with him uh, a few years ago. He was phenomenal. My wife fell in love with him. She immediately bought his book and like it was I like had just I just read his book when I interviewed him. Yeah, yeah, and she's like, "Oh my god, I love this guy because his work ethic is just impeccable and he's so smart." And uh, yeah, he's he's great. So it would have been it would have been different, but uh, I mean, I'm glad we got the Terminator that we did. But uh, it, it would have been cool to have have him in there. And I, I don't have any issue thinking of him as like an unstoppable machine. Oh, well, then you're not an Orion executive from 1983. Go from Lance Henriksen to, to Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton was almost the Mo role in hardware. Oh, instead of um, in, 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 instead Dylan of Dylan, McDermott? Instead of Dylan McDermott, the second choice was Bill Paxton. And the second choice, if, Joe, if uh, John Lynch had not taken the role of Shades... We're back to Jeffrey Combs. So just think about how awesome hardware is. Quiet, Alex. How awesome hardware is if it had Bill Paxton and Jeffrey Combs in it too. Oh, hardware's brilliant. Hardware is, is but, just. But think of how think of how different, how much more awesome it would have been with that casting. I don't know, because Dylan McDermott does do a really good job. Uh, I mean, I love Bill Paxton. I you know, because I I mean, he can play goofy, he can play serious. I, I think it could have gone either way. Uh, that that's one where uh, I think it would have been a lateral move. I don't know if it uh, necessarily would have been better or worse, but it would it would have been cool. But I'm perfectly happy with the uh, with the hardware that we got. Okay, Alex, since you did not like hardware, would that would that casting just in your mind would that have made the movie more palatable to you? Do you think? Uh, Jeffrey Combs, yes. Bill Paxton, no, because Dylan McDermott is actually really good. Except Dylan McDermott was a hell on the set, so behind well, the scenes, behind the scenes, Dylan McDermott was not good. Just on uh, camera, he was. Bill Paxton, I can't take seriously as much as Dylan McDermott. I mean, heck, I, I want to make a superhero movie starring Bill Paxton called The Game Over Man. To finish out the night, let's talk about the most famous non-movie ever made that never actually existed and was never actually supposed to. Now, back in 2003. This is after Frank Miller went insane, probably in a rare moment of lucidity. He, tr- he decided to play a prank on the internet. He claims that he found he found a script that Orson Welles wrote back in 1943, right after Citizen Kane, that in 1946, Orson Welles was trying to make a Batman movie at Fox. 
the thing about this was Frank Miller went full on hoax. He had, quote, production sketches, all drawn by Frank Miller, that looked authentic to the 1940s. He had script pieces, annotations, and whatnot. Even though Orson Welles never did try to make a Batman movie, how awesome would a 1943-1946 made Orson Welles black-and-white Batman movie have been for RKO? That would have been good. I, I, well, I don't know. Orson Welles, which such a perfectionist, and everybody hated working with him. His Batman would have been just studio-raped it. By the way, he was supposed to star as Batman. Okay, f*** it. No, I would not have watched it at all. Oh, but no, but it, no, no it, 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 he wanted to star as Batman. The studio, according to the Frank Miller hoax, wanted this relatively unknown actor named Gregory Peck in the role. Well, I would have sided with the studio and gone with the Gregory Peck Batman. Orson Welles as Batman. Well, is he going to be fighting, you know, newspapers again? Would he have been uh, yelling at a bowl of peas? That wouldn't happen till late. Technically, that actually, <laughs> actually that he he didn't actually yell at the bowl of peas. He yelled at the director about the well, bowl of peas. The, but yeah. but that wouldn't be until the seventies. You could tell me how to say in July, I'll go down on you. Still one of the greatest things I've ever heard. I'll never get tired of that. What is it that you want in the depths of your ignorance? <laughs> Just hearing him berate this poor freaking guy with that vo- that booming voice of his. You know, he's just he's just there all fat and just ign- ignorant. What is it that you want? Because whatever it is, I can't give it to you. You hear him throw the papers up uh, just over his shoulder and walk out of the booth. No job is worth this. No money is worth this. I wouldn't direct any living actor like this. In July. In July. <laughs> but, oh, but okay, what do you think about an Orson Welles director? Uh, I don't know. I think it would have been cool. I'm not huge on like the real old-timey 40s stuff, so I probably wouldn't have been that much into it. But um, it, I don't know. It, it sounds like a cool idea. And like I said, that one is a straight-up hoax. But the, but Frank Miller got the internet for over a month before somebody fit, found out it was a hoax and started well, yeah, poking holes it in it. was the 2003 internet. What's that supposed to mean? Uh, well, people were still using AOL back then. Yeah. I, do you think AOL fact-check shit? Hell, <laughs> BuzzFeed does better job than AOL in 2003. That's a burn. <laughs> there are a lot of projects out there that, for one reason or another, never come to fruition. Some of these started pre-production. Some of these had quite a bit of promotion for a film that never actually got made. Do you think that it's better, in retrospect, that we did not get a lot of these projects? Do you think it's better that these are all what-ifs at this point? Or are there some of them you'd really, really go back and change time, if you could, to have made these happen? Just Jodorowsky's Dune. I would have gone back in time to make Jodorowsky's Dune happen. The rest of the movies can go f*** themselves. There's a few that I think would have happened. They would have been cool. And uh, they they wouldn't have had too much of an impact on uh, the actors' careers. And uh, But out of all of them, I think the uh, Genghis Khan with Seagal just... Okay. Uh, why? We're all we worse not? off for having that not existed, right? We certainly are. The world is a less joyous place because we don't have Steven Seagal's Genghis Khan. Where can we find Cecil, assuming the pre-production ever gets off the ground? Uh, you can find me pre-producing my ass off over at goodbadflix.com as well as geekjuicemedia.com. 
Where can we find Alex Jowski being sued for sexually harassing the intern, which gets the whole movie killed? Geekjuicemedia.com? <laughs> you seem like you're not 100% sure of that. I'm not sexually harassing any interns. <laughs> and you can find me actively tanking quality scripts at 1201. Everywhere. At twelve at twelve oh one beyond dot com and you can contact the show at twelve oh one beyond at gmail dot com. Come on, give me interns. Interns, interns. How come you gave Cecil and I like jokey you can find them doing this, but then you told the truth about what you're doing? Is this a joke? There must be some mistake. Am I on candid camera? Am I even awake? Fuck me! Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.